You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of unfortunate. But some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman. What's going on, Dark Knight friends and family? Welcome back to another episode of the Eternal Night Podcast, where, you know, we talked about everything related to Batman, Dark Knight, Detective, everything to his world. As you all know, I am one of two hosts. My name is Philip Barker. If you all want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter, very on Instagram, just at Unfiltered. Also joined by my Nightwing, maybe even the Batman to my Nightwing, or maybe he's even like the Alfred to my Batman, Mr. Craig Blaylock. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing fantastic. If I'm going to be Alfred, I better be the Alfred from Batman v Superman. Jeremy Irons Alfred. Okay, that's a great Alfred. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take Jeremy Irons any day. Okay, so if you're Jeremy Irons Alfred, that makes me Ben Affleck's Batman, which means I, I mean, go, who, I'm cool with that. Who, who's who's going to complain with that? I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to complain with that. Yeah, so, I don't like that Batman because that Batman kills people, and I don't like it to Batman and kills people. It's like you know. Batman's killed in pretty much almost every movie he's been in, so that's mm-hmm. kind of a mood argument at this point. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're 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 recording this uh, just a couple days, six days before uh, Batman Day, because Craig and I wanted to have an episode out on Batman Day for all you fine listeners out there who love and adore Batman and want some quality Batman goodness for your Batman Day, and and to honor that. You know, Craig and I, this, this brand new podcast for both of us, something we've been wanting to do for a long time, and we're always, like, even now, just kind of, you know, spitballing ideas for episodes. And then this, this, what we're doing today, it feels like it's, we're going to get a lot of structure out of it going forward, and I feel like it's it's something that, you know, it kind of came to me. Initially, it was supposed to be another top five, and, and then when I started to think about this, this kind of top five in particular, I thought to myself, well, no, there are just too many things that this top five could encapsulate like so what we're doing I guess, this is the going to be the first volume in uh let what, what i like to call and I, I hope it sticks is legendary moments of the dark knight and at least once a month i would imagine we're gonna try to uh just come together and pull just five awesome moments across batman's overall history and mythology be it comics be it radio be it television, live action animation, otherwise, or live, or you know, live action film, 
we're just going to take five moments collectively that we can think of and bring them together and talk about them. Um, I mentioned to Craig right before we started recording, uh, four of my five are completely animated. And as you all know, if you've been listening along, or if this is your first time listening, thank you. Uh, Craig is getting back into comics, so I'm sure his list is going to in, in grow as as these episodes go on month to month. So, um, Craig, th- thoughts on, on this idea of the legendary moments of the Dark Knight? I know you, you had, had some ideas, too. Uh, got any thoughts? Yeah, no. I think this is a great idea. I love the fact that we're going to just kind of break it out. And I like the idea of, like, once a month, just kind of all right, what are some more legendary moments that we can think of? And like you said, now that I'm getting back into the comics, um, actually, uh, last night, I'm very excited. I am about halfway through the death in the family storyline, and I'm loving every minute of that. Um, so, yeah, no, I think uh, I think this is a great idea, and I think this is going to be a great uh, segment to kind of continue on as the show develops. So I'm correct in Death in the family. Jim Starlin, Jim Aparo. In the family. Yep. Okay. Okay. So not of the family. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Got it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. Yep. Death of the family. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Those two are very, they're tricky because they're so alike. Yeah. In, I, hate, in, I in... hate how close the titles are. Yeah. Me too. Even though I love both stories, um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I understand why Death of the Family is called Death of the Family. Obviously, it's a, a bit of a play on Death in the Family, but. It's, yep. it's, it's because of that. it's like well, now there's a difference of one word and you get them mixed up no matter what but yeah i'm actually surprised that didn't make my list this time but i'm sure at some point there there's going to be a moment there from that book yep. death in the family not of the family that i'm probably going to throw on the list but not today no and then after our list we're going to discuss episodes uh one and two I guess, because like, the first two episodes of Batman the Animated Series, that's on HBO Max, because they're not doing a production order, which would start with Leather Wings. That's actually going to be our next episode, is on Leather Wings. But uh, Craig and I will be discussing episode one and two, Cat in the Claw. Which, just uh, pre-thoughts on that, pre- before we get into that conversation, going back to those two episodes really brought me back down memory lane from the lot of Yeah, ways. right. So I'm excited to talk about that when we get to it. But I guess without further ado, as you guys all know, we've, we've been doing a couple top fives, top tens. Well, actually, no, a couple top tens, not top fives. It's our first top five. Yep. Uh, we're going to go bottom top. No particular order again, because we don't like to make things super definitive. But uh, yeah, I guess, Craig, we'll start with you. What is your fifth legendary moment from The Dark Knight? So for me, number five is a moment from the uh, very first Christopher Nolan movie, Batman Begins. Okay. And uh, it is, for me, it is the scene that really hammered home that movie for me. I I really like that movie. I really think it is a great origin story. I like how it you really see more of the Bruce Wayne side of things, as good as the 89 and Batman Returns movies are, I really felt like there wasn't a huge emphasis on Bruce Wayne in those movies. Like, yes, he did have scenes, but he wasn't like a huge emphasis. And I feel like Batman Begins did a really good job showing us the other side of Batman. Um, So for me, the legendary moment that stands out for me is uh, towards the end of the film where uh, the Scarecrow's toxin 
is uh, driving all those inmates mad. Uh, right. There's just chaos. And um, uh, Rachel and well, I can't remember the little boy's name, but they're about to be attacked. That man swoops down, picks them up, saves them. And uh, the legendary moment for me is when uh, Rachel looks at him and says, you know, you might die tonight. I just need to know who you are. He turns to her and says, it's not who you are, who I am underneath, but what I do, do that, that defines me. me. Yeah. She goes, Bruce. And he just, he jumps off the roof, starts flying around that, that epic score. I love that Batman theme that Nolan put in those films. And I felt like the way it swells up when he jumps off the roof and flies across the sky above all the criminals. I was like, that is Batman right there. Striking fear into just all of these guys that are going nuts down below him. Uh, I, I loved that scene. <clears throat> First of all, the kid's Joffrey from Game of Thrones. That's right. I knew I knew when I was watching the clip, I was like, that kid looks familiar. Yeah, that was one of his earliest roles, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Second of all, great choice. Uh, it's not, I'm trying to remember even the quote. It's not who I am underneath that defines me. It's not who I am underneath, Ethan, but what I do that, that defines me. There we go. And it because he kind of plays it, it's a callback, obviously, earlier in the film when uh, Bruce brought some models with him and right, was kind right. of doing the whole Playboy thing. And he ends up seeing Rachel and he's trying to let Rachel know like, oh, hey, I'm still the same Bruce that you remember when we were kids. And she throws it at him and says, oh, Bruce, it's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. And then That's he right. puts it on her towards uh, in that scene. That's right. Yeah, that is a great sequence. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Oh wow! I didn't even think about like that movie because that movie is just full of a lot of really interesting Batman moments. Like even towards the end, where uh, him and Gordon have that exchange. I never said thank you. You'll never have to. You know. Yeah. And, and that you know that moment here, or even like you know the controversial moment of uh, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> That, see, and that, that's one of those ones that always kind of plays in my mind when people say like, oh, Batman doesn't kill people. Yeah, he pretty much he pretty much did. He pretty much did there. He's OK with people <laughs> dying if he doesn't directly yeah. kill them. But yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Just how you said um, how he says it. You know, I don't have to. I'm not going to kill you. Throws the battering. But and, I don't have to see. And for the record, folks, when we say people, we're talking explicitly about criminals here, not not everyday average Joe. So, yeah, context is important. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah thinking about that you know that is a really great moment and you know i'm even you know reading i just finished reading uh uh you know i, I mentioned to you every I'm, I'm a little current on the batman comics right now and tynan's doing a uh, a scarecrow story and it's called fear state and mm -hmm. um the the issue that i just finished is called uh fear state alpha and it kind of goes over how crane and the the other antagonist in the story uh simon saint how, where they come together and why they decided to formulate this this fear state theory and it's all based on crane's work and and honestly it's it's some of the most like intimidating jonathan crane stuff i've i've read in quite some time i'm really enjoying it and even like seeing um to your point when when a lot of the people in the narrows are suffering from scarecrow's fear toxin and they see Batman, but when they see Batman, it's all like, you know, this giant bat creature who's got a gaping mouth and he's going, yeah, the demon bat. Yeah, right. So, and that is, again, you know, Nolan showing us Batman in a way 
that hadn't been done before in live action. You know, we got kind of the urban legend, but we also got like the mysterious monster that literally strikes fear in the heart and eyes of criminals. Yeah. Which really interesting. That's another reason why I liked Batman Begins so much is that it was, I think, the first time they really, really hammered home the idea that Bruce was using Batman to strike fear into criminals. Yeah. Instead of, I felt like the previous movies never really played into that whole fear factor, whereas Batman Begins really hammered home the fact that it was about fear. It was about making criminals afraid to go and do the things that they were doing. Right. And then the second film in that trilogy challenges that very concept. Yep. But, man, I'm I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass here that I didn't put much of any, if actually I didn't put any <laughs> of the Nolan stuff on this list. So maybe I'll save it for another list. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, the Nolan ones, it, Batman Begins has a lot of moments, like you said. Um, I'm I'm thinking of the scene when he first comes in as Batman, and oh, he's yeah. you know swinging around, he's grabbing all those thugs, and the one guy is you know where are you here here? Uh, yeah. that I love that I love that scene. Yeah, and then even at the end, you know, he kind of gets to do his own uh, kind of rendition of of the I'm Batman delivery when he yeah. gets uh, Falcone. You know, he pulls yep. Falcone out of the, out of the limo. And Falcon, like Falcone's like, what are you? And Batman just yanks him out of the top of limo. I'm Batman. It's like, look, there are moments in which I think every live action Batman has that moment where you kind of point Leonardo DiCaprio style and go, that's Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he said the thing. He said the thing. Right. You know, I, I think there's a lot of moments in, in both Batman v Superman and Zack Snyder's justice league. You could point to where you look at Ben Affleck's Batman and go, that's Batman. Uh, yep. There's clear, clear moments. Like we've been talking about and Batman begins and the dark Knight, And I would even say the dark Knight rises that there, that you mm-hmm. can point to and, and Batman go, that's Batman mm-hmm. again with the Keaton movies. Like, like the first Keaton movie where he trots down as quietly as possible. Right gets the two goons on top of the roof and spooks one of them. Who are you? <laughs> you know, like, that line is so iconic. And even like, even waiting for the Batman, like that new trailer that has people to this very day, as we anticipate the new trailer coming up for fandom next month, like this single trailer that was shown off last year, last August, that is comprised of 25% footage of the movie at the time. And there's yeah. a point in the movie where Robert Pattinson Again, a very controversial casting choice like Ben Affleck and Christian Bale before him. He gets, you know, he's surrounded by a group of goons. One of them has the balls to ask, oh, who the hell are you supposed to be? And to his credit, Robert Pattinson just beats the straight piss out of this cat and then goes, yep. I'm vengeance. Like, not yep. I'm Batman, I'm vengeance. And I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> Batman. And, you know, that may be just me talking to some sensibilities where I just like watching Batman whoop ass and then strike that fear into someone's eyes. Truly, that yep. might be it. But, you know, there there are other very concrete moments where you could say that they, they that each version of Bat, each version of live action Batman has shown other aspects of it. Like I'm thinking of the Dark Knight where um, where uh, where where Gordon and Batman are in the apartment and it's the Harvey and the Dent cop and they're dead. And Batman goes, I'm going to need a couple minutes with this crime scene before your people contaminate it. And they're all offended, like, what? Contaminate it? You've already been in here. And he's just not even unfazed by it. And Gordon's like, 
okay, just give him the room, right? And it's like, yep, that's Batman. And, and yeah, even just the even just the subtle moments, I'm thinking of like you know Batman v Superman. Maybe it's the Gotham City and me. We just mm-hmm. have a bad history with freaks dressed, dressed like, like clowns. clowns, right? I'm just like, oh, that is Batman right there. It's Bruce Wayne talking, but that is Batman. Yeah, and you know, I'm not even the biggest fan of Christian Bale's Batman. But how many moments have we sat here just talking about yep. this Batman? Might have to dedicate an episode of Christian Bale's Batman. We might do like a spotlight of each Batman. I don't know. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Well, that's a really great pick. Not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. I really do like that moment. It's a really solid number five. All right. I like that. Uh, Mine is actually completely on. It's actually speaking to what what I was just talking about a little earlier. It's it's. Batman in a way that we had not seen him, but it makes absolute total sense because he's my moment. It's the moment where Batman chooses to go and confront Ace from the Royal Flush Gang in the epilogue episode of Justice League Unlimited. And he essentially sits with her while Uh, she succumbs to, you know, her her inevitable doom. Right. And yes, that moment, it's not Batman beating the snot out of a criminal. It's not Batman Mm-mm. being a detective. It's Batman showing that he's a human being yep. and that he really is willing to do whatever it takes if it means, you know, saving the world at the end of the day. Because, you know, at that at that point in the episode, Ace was going all out with her te- telekinetic abilities and they were really giving the real world a, a run for their money. And to his credit... Batman goes in and sits down with Ace, whom you find out is the f- in the form of not even, I would say, like a 10-year-old little girl. Because the Royal Flush Gang has gone through many different in- incarnations and very different teams over the years, especially in Batman mm-hmm. Beyond. But, you know, this version of Ace was was a telepath. And, and a, you know, she had telekinetic psionic abilities. But that was what was going to be the inevitable death of her, unfortunately. It was causing her... I, I don't remember exactly what, but she was dying from it. And yeah, I want to say it has something to do with something in her blood. Maybe. But Amanda Waller is recapping all of this to an older Terry McGinnis. And, you know, I love that. And I also just love that it's just a very, it's a very human moment for Batman. And really what makes him so relatable in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, that that's a great, great choice. I was actually, when I was thinking of my legendary moments, that one, did come to mind um but i didn't see that episode back when it had come out so i'm only aware of it from you know like youtube clips and that kind of thing yeah i remember watching this episode very distinctly at a young age and it still rocked my world like that like (laughs) there's a reason why batman's my favorite character that's one reason why is because he has that ability to reach out and even in in moments like that not necessarily be a father, but just be somebody. Just be there for somebody. Like, there's a moment in uh, Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman where Superman saves a, y- a, a young girl from jumping off a building from yeah. suicide. And, like, yep, I, suicide. I, I think those, when you do something like that with Batman or Superman, it really does elevate them on a human level and shows you that there really is more to this dark psychotic vigilante who dresses up like a bat and beats the absolute shit out of criminals at night. And it also shows that there's 
definitely more to this big blue boy scout who can literally do anything. Yep. But, you know, we'll save we'll save some Batman Superman moments for another time. I'm not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um Oh, actually, you know what? We will get to that a little bit later because there is another movie on my list that I will bring up. A couple, actually, but yeah. Um, this moment in particular, you know, not only the epilogue episode kind of doubling as a finale, but also just kind of giving, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't really a fan of finding out that Terry McGinnis is a, a biological byproduct of, of Amanda Walder's doing, but at the same time, um, I look at that and I'm like... That's nuts, but that's something Amanda Waller would do because she's. I was gonna say, yeah, that's exactly something Amanda Waller would do. Right. Like fire a whole group of staff. She ever got hit upside their head. Never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just kidding, for all you Suicide Squad fans out there. <laughs> number four. What's your number four, Craig? So number four for me, it's another quote, but this is from the animated series. And I know a lot of people, when they think of Batman quotes, they think of, obviously, the I'm Batman moment from the 89. But the one that stands out to me more than anything is the, um, it's a very early episode in the first season of the animated series. It's the first episode with the Scarecrow, where um, nothing Batman is trying to stop him. Yeah, nothing to fear. Uh, they're battling on a... Um, limp above Gotham City right. because mm-hmm. Scarecrow's planning on releasing his toxin while he's hanging on the edge of the blimp um, he realizes the toxin is starting to take effect again and a vision of his father takes up uh, the sky mm-hmm. and his father's vision is like oh you're, you're a disappointment or you're a, you're a disgrace to the family name and uh, Bruce says you know you're not my father and then he says I am vengeance. I am the night. I, I am Batman. Batman. And the music swells. You get that Batman theme as soon as he says it. And he swings his way back up and goes to confront the scarecrow. And I'm just like, he just overcame the scarecrow toxin all on his own. Yeah. There's a little bit of that going on in fear state right now. And, but to that episode's credit, I, I'm actually looking at it right now. It's number 10 on the HBO max listing. Nothing to fear. And I, I do remember that, like, because that's yep. that's that's the iconic line that that Kevin Conroy delivered when he was working in the soup kitchen and was, you know, I, I don't remember for what exactly, but he was in a soup kitchen, I think, for for a homeless shelter. And, and someone recognized his voice. And said, you're, you're Batman. Can can you do the <laughs> can you do can you do the voice? And he said, I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. And like, yep. dude, like. When I think of iconic lines, especially iconic line delivery, there's nothing more profound in my mind first when than Kevin Conroy's delivery of that line in particular from that episode. Yep, hundred percent. And even yep. even even to that, to your point of that episode in particular, because I'm sure we'll get to it here in the next couple weeks, definitely. Um, I think that moment in that episode in particular is just it's. It's it's really lovely in that it's Batman overcoming any kind of fear he could have had or might have had, and yep. even the Scarecrow as kind of a <laughs> kind of a goofy looking villain in that first bit, first episode there, nothing to fear because he went through a couple different design changes. I still appreciated that that you know it was still terrifying enough on a visual level that that his toxins got to him and Robin because I think Robin's yeah. in that episode. It might be. 
I think it's later. I think Robin comes in in a later episode against the Scarecrow. I'm you know what? pretty sure fear this of one is just Batman. Yep, you're right. Because the first one, nothing to fear is just Batman. Fear of victory is with Batman and Robin. Because I'm looking at it on, on HBO Max right now. At the episodes that they have. Because I believe that one, the one with Robin, that's the one where they're above fighting him above the um, football stadium. Right. Right. Because like this listing again isn't the same as the production order. Because Christmas with the Joker came after On Leather Wings. Christmas with the Joker is number thirty-eight. On Leather Wings is number three. On the HBO oh wow Max yeah listing. that is wacky yeah <laughs> it is it is pretty insane, but I'm really not worried about it. You know it, it gives nah. people the, the if they if they have HBO Max they can watch long. If they have the box set, pop in the episode and follow along. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to follow along, that's that's okay too. <laughs> But um, I love I love that. I can't wait to get to that episode because I th- again it's I think it's nothing to fear, and I'm pretty sure that if, it, if I am right that it, that'll be number ten. We'll get to it here in two, three, four, five, seven, eight weeks, so maybe around December, so November, December, somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, I like that. So far, our choices have been very distinctly different. In that, my moment and your moment aren't from number five are very like, you know, human. Mm-hmm. Your number four is very psychological. Mine is very physical. I'm kind of surprised this isn't my number one, but I think my number one is actually going to be a more. I really like my number one, but this one I could not not put on my list, and that is the warehouse fight from Batman vs. There we go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This this fight right here. If you've ever played an Arkham game then you saw everything you ever put time and work into come to life on the screen in the best way possible. If you are a fan of The Dark Knight Returns, the ending of this sequence will make you Mm -hmm. exquisitely happy. Look, this whole sequence is just top-tier Batman in action, straight up. And that is a credit to Damon Carl, Richard Citrone of the stunt coordination team for Zack Snyder and that whole film and just the way that they brought that whole fight to life, the way how Batman tactically took out 24 different people and still walked away like the boss that he is more often than not. Yeah. Just absolutely destroyed everyone in that room. (laughs) Straight up. Like he decimated broke bones the whole nine yards i've been waiting to see batman fight like that in a movie yep. since 89 because look i love yeah. 89 i do but whenever i watched batman fight there were some cool action sequences but then there were some action sequences where i was just like eh. it's it's cool it's dated yeah. but it's cool but even still, it's just like you could tell some some action sequences from some from some of the older movies were a little questionable. And even the Nolan films, I love I love those films too. And the action in them is serviceable, more or less. The first two more so than the last movie, but um, really, like I think of Batman in action, dude, and Batman versus Superman probably has it down pat, like. Mm-hmm. Between the Batmobile chase sequence, yes, I know he c- commits capital murder, but again, you know, there's a minigun totting villain shooting at him, so mm-hmm. whatever. 
you know. But still, like, Batman in action, straight up, like, doing work, like, either whether it's in a Batmobile or whether he's beating the shit out of a parademon or a criminal. Batman vs. Superman pro- and Zack Snyder's Justice League, like, collectively, just Ben Affleck's Batman probably has, like, the best action. Mm-hmm. Just as far as live action goes, but... With that warehouse <laughs> in the warehouse, when he punches that guy and just head first goes into the ground. Yeah. Oh, man. Or when he throws and Doom he... into the wall and the wall just, just destroys. Yeah. Uh, when he grab when he uses his grappling hook, grabs the box. Yes. Launches it, smacks that thug in the face, and he smacks against the wall, and you see that spray of blood against the wall because he just straight up killed that man with that box. <laughs> oh, straight up, yeah. And like, or or when he sticks the knife in dude's shoulder, turns around, clocks yeah. other guy, comes back, and then just gives this dude one good one to the solar plex. And yeah. man, I love that sequence, and I love it because it sent. It sent other fanboys It's such a jizzy. Oh, Batman stabbed that guy. And like, what are you talking about? The knife's in the yeah. dude's shoulder. He didn't stab him with anything else. You're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, to cap it off, he breaks through the wall, Dark Knight Returns style, yep. grabs the gun from dude, points it at KG Beast. KG Beast is threatened to kill Martha Kent. And says, I'll kill her. Believe me, I'll do it. And then we get Ben Affleck's delivery of, I believe you. And then shoots yeah. the gun and sends everything ablaze. And then he saves Martha. Like, yep. badass. Absolute badass. Straight up. Chef's kiss. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get... I, I'm very curious. I think the, the Batman will have some cool fight scenes in it for sure. Especially given that little teaser we got. But uh, I don't think anything's going to ever top that warehouse fight scene. Yeah, it is almost too technical and top tier to even, you know, have anything else come into come into consideration. I mean, you know, The Dark Knight is a very heat-esque action movie. Yeah. This was straight up like not even the guys in Mortal Kombat could have done anything like this and those fights were pretty technical. Yeah. And I like the new Mortal Kombat movie and that says a lot. <laughs> but I, I will uh, respectfully keep quiet on that one. <laughs> you and a lot of other people are probably in the same boat. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. So we've got I Am Vengeance, I Am the Knight, I Am Batman, and the Warehouse Fight from Batman versus Superman. Yep. All right, moving right along. We are at our number threes. My man, what's your number three? So my top three, interesting enough, now that I'm looking at my list, my top three are all going to be Batman and Joker interactions, interestingly oh, okay. enough. Cool. Minor not. Uh, so number three for me is uh the ending and spoiler alert for anyone who didn't finish the game, but it's been a while. So mm-hmm. um the ending to Batman Arkham City uh with the death of the Joker. Um I just I remember playing the game and having so much fun with it and that scene of Batman walking out of the theater with mm-hmm. Joker's dead body mm-hmm. and you hear like Commissioner Gordon, you know, what's going on? What happened? Batman doesn't say a word. He's just he walks out with the Joker's dead body. If I remember right, I think Harley Quinn sees him walking out with it and she's obviously devastated and he doesn't say a word. He just walks out and then the camera pans away and that's it. 
there is nothing else. We just killed the Joker. What do you think of that? Oh, by the way, this is the end of the game. You're going to have to wait for the next one to see what happens next. And just like that interaction they had before the Joker died, um, because in the game, you know, Joker is dying from the um, venom that he got injected with in the first game in Arkham Asylum. Titan formula. That's right. And um, uh, Batman develops a serum to uh, get rid of it. And he and Joker have their kind of back and forth. Mm -hmm. And you have the cutscene where um, Batman's looking around for him. Joker jumps on his back. The serum falls, breaks, splatters all over the place. Joker screams, runs over to it. He's trying to, like, pick it up and drink it almost. And Batman looks at him and goes, why did you do that? I was going to save you. And Joker's dying, basically. He's coughing, hacking all over the place. And he just goes, "Ah, that's pretty funny. And then that's the last thing he says. And then he just falls down and dies. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there and I went, holy crap, the Joker just died. Where is this story going to go from here? Yeah, because that was the first time, I think, for a lot of Batman fans that you definitively saw the Joker die. Like, there were yeah. no ifs, ands, buts or about it. Like, he was for sure dead. And I think that really rocked a lot of Batman fans for a positive, you know, in a positive way. I mean, because, you know, a lot of storytellers really like to pull the trope of, you know, they show the Joker seemingly being at his demise, right? But then he comes back. Like, that was Mark Hamill's Joker through and through. I mean... I remember, yeah, the animated series all the time. Right, you know, the, one of the episodes that comes to mind immediately is the Laughing Fish, where he falls seemingly to his to his doom, but then he comes right back. I mean, even Mask of the Phantasm, you know, mm-hmm. Andrea Beaumont takes him away in 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 the gas. He's still back at the end of the animated series. Like, I mean, he even makes a reap. He gets a whole movie in Batman Beyond. Like, he he it, they literally bring him back to life. Yeah. So. The fact that Rocksteady had the balls to be like, yo, we're going to kill the Joker and it's going to be definitive. You're going to see it and it's going to be the ending of the game. And I think that really, I'm not going to say that that hurt Arkham Knight, but I think that it really made Arkham Knight a tougher game to make because the, the relationship between the two, you know, between Batman and the Joker is just so fluid and so full of life that... When you take it out of the equation, almost it 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 makes things not quite off center, but it just makes things a little bit more hard to digest. But even even still, like the Joker was in that game, but I think it was in a more like eh, kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. But the de- the death, like I remember just playing through the entirety of the game, and that became like the plot of the game was not only was the Joker gonna die from this, Batman was too. Yeah, they were both infected, right? And the only reason Batman managed to even survive as long as he did was because he came into contact with Talia and Raish and managed to sip some of the Lazpit juice, and that prolonged his his life a little bit. So, yeah, that's a really good pull because, you know, it's it's not often that that, that death sticks. And, yeah, it's... it's oh, and, I think, and I think Rocksteady knew that going into Arkham Knight because again kind of like what you said we're all used to it okay yeah Joker died he's probably going to come back somehow 
maybe it was a clone. Maybe it was somebody else or something like that. Rocksteady goes, nope. okay, you want, you don't think that we actually killed the Joker? Here's the opening cutscene, Arkham Knight. We're burning his body right in front of you. Straight up. Gordon puts his body, body in the morgue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that playing Arkham Knight the first time, and that's how the game opens up. It's like, no, no, no. We're definitively doing this. Like you you there are no there's no going back from this. And yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah, but I still I thought think, it was a great way to start the game. I do too, but I still think like it's a it's still like a tough pill to swallow because of how great that relationship is. Yep. Well, I do love that. My number three, I don't know if you've seen this movie yet, but uh it's Batman vs. the Shredder, Batman and the Teenage Mutant yes. Turtles. So Yeah. I was siphoning through YouTube yep. clips just just willy-nilly, and I don't know why, but more often than not, I just go back to this fight, this first fight between Batman and the Shredder in this movie, because hot damn is it awesome. Mm -hmm. Just, if you ever thought about, what would it be like if Batman and the Shredder fought? This yep. fight is for you. Because Batman is, it you know... The Turtles and the Foot Clan have come to Gotham City, and Batman's investigating why, and he grabs a Foot Clan soldier by the garb and is like, why are you in my city? And then, to the movie's credit, you see a shuriken enter that Foot Clan member's head, and you're like, whoa, yes, okay, I'm on board with this. And then you look up and see who it is. It's the Shredder. And you're just yep. like, oh, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're and so doing this. the animated movie... They do a callback to, to the 90... original to the nineties Ninja yes, Turtles. The yes. way he comes down is the same way he came down in the nineties movie. And like uh, like their whole exchange, like Shredder says something like, Foolish warrior. And they just go ham at yep. each other, dude. And I'm just like, oh man, if there's anyone else in the multiverse that could probably give Batman a great ass fight hand to hand, it's the, it's Shredder. the, the Shredder, right. Yep. And the way the fight ends, oh man, even though just like, I'm thinking now, I'm just seeing the fight in my head. Batman grabs the Shredder by his head, slams it into some poles. You know how many yeah. people make the Shredder do that? Not a lot. No. Yeah. And like, you you see the Shredder just get visibly frustrated by that, like, you did not just do that to me. <laughs> yeah. And then when, when Batman, like, flies down off the top railing and you see him bat mode with the cape and everything and then the shredder goes for his his move and he does it and it doesn't kill batman but it it puts him on his ass and that's when batman mm -hmm. realizes like okay this dude is a player and i'm gonna play <laughs> the game today yep yeah that i batman versus the teenage ninja turtles you talk about a perfect just callback to nostalgia while also keeping things kind of fresh and inventive and just having fun with the concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That movie is the definition of just, hey, we're going to take these two franchises, we're going to throw them together, and we're just going to have fun with it from the beginning to the end. I think that should be the next movie. I think that should be the movie we talk about on Batman Day. I think so. Because that movie is just too awesome not to talk about. Yeah. Because of the, uh, the fight I just mentioned. But yeah. also, be, to your point, like his interaction with the turtles, the fact that Tom Kenny is the voice of the penguin. Yeah. I never <laughs> thought I would want that until I heard it because it's so Meredith Burgess. I was like, yes, 
more of that. And you talk or about Burgess nightmare fuel, the the, uh, the hyena version of Harley Quinn. Oh God! Good God Almighty! Holy or, crap! Or um, <laughs> or um, um, um. Oh man, it, it, Mr. Freeze turns into a giant bear, doesn't polar he? Polar bear. Polar bear. Yeah, he's yeah. a giant polar bear. Like all of that was super rad. Or like yep. I, I really love the relationship between Alfred and Michelangelo. I thought that was just no, nothing <laughs> yeah. short of hysterical. So funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forget what was the scene that Alfred said. Like when the oh, it's when the guy delivers the pizzas. I offered to cook them a three course meal, and they want pizza. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes just all the yes and i'm I'm just waiting for the day that that becomes a live action movie but i don't think it's ever gonna happen yeah i don't think so but man just kind of like what i said about the dark knight returns the last episode i'm totally okay with the animated movie that's, if, if yeah. that's the only version of that story that we get I'm totally fine with it because it's a blast from beginning to end. It's based off a comic run. There's there's a couple volumes yeah. out now. Uh, I, I highly recommend them. I finished the first one not too long after I watched the movie the first time. I highly recommend it. All right. So those are our numbers. That, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, now I'm really excited for the next episode because it's going to be Batman TV Turtles. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, um, and of course, you know, the ending to Arkham City, like, talk about just absolute that game that is just one of the best batman games ever created bar none straight up i I know that a lot of people prefer arkham asylum and i totally get it but i had way more fun just an immense amount of fun with arkham city i felt like they really hammered home the love for batman in that in that game yeah that whole game if you're a video game fan if you're a batman fan and you haven't played Arkham Knight or Arkham, sorry, Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, or even Arkham Origins, like, do yourself a favor, play those games, especially Arkham City, because spoilers, they definitively killed the Joker. Yep. And again, that that I think Arkham City, honestly, I think has the larger rogues gallery than Asylum had. Yes, yeah, it did. And honestly, even the boss fights were a lot more intricate too, like Mr. Freeze, Rachel Ghoul. Uh, I love the fight with Rachel Ghoul. As did oh, I. I love that fight. As did I. And I know a lot of people love the Mr. Freeze uh, fight. I remember that getting a lot of praise when that game came out because you had because Mr. Freeze learns your methods of attack. So right. You have to come up with different ways to attack him in order to beat him in the boss fight. Yeah, Mr. Fr- the Mr. Freeze fight was easily one of the most inventive and intuitive fights because it really does also showcase just how formidable of a threat Dr. Victor Freeze is to Batman because, mm-hmm. you know, unlike say Two-Face, unlike the Penguin, unlike the Joker, Victor Freeze is smart and Victor Freeze mm-hmm. pays attention and, you know, he's got a massive giant freezing gun. So Batman has to be on his toes at all times when it comes to facing off Mr. Freeze. Yeah, you get shot once with that gun and it's over. Yeah. Like, he, if you go by Batman and Robin logic, you have about 11 minutes to unthaw. You're done, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, straight up, M- Mr. Freeze is one of my favorite villains because of how formidable he is, and that game did him so much justice. I was so happy about that. Yep. All right. All right. Number two. Number All right. Two. So, number two, for me, it's a, another fight 
uh, and in animated form, mm-hmm. uh, but in a much kind of different aspect. Instead of like a badass all-out brawl like uh, Batman versus Shredder, right? Uh, my second legendary moment is uh, Batman versus the Joker in The Dark Knight Returns. Ah, okay. Um, man, in the Tunnel of Love. I, yep, yep, in the Tunnel of Love. I could watch that scene over and over again and just never get tired of it. The you know, dynamic between the two of them, the dialogue, everything about it is great. Yeah, there's something twisted there in their last meeting, because spoilers again, this is where Batman kind of almost definitively kills the Joker before the Joker does it himself. Uh, yep. there, there's a really twisted visual there in that you have these two people who have been doing this dance, if you will, of, of criminal justice against one another more so Batman against the Joker that has gone on for years. And the exchange of dialogue between the two of them is like Batman's had it, but the Joker's still having fun with it. Like yep. Batman is at his point of no return. He's like, no more. All the people uh, I've murdered by letting you live. And yep. Joker just goes, I know. And I love you for it. I honestly couldn't keep count. It's like, damn, yep. he really, that really just goes to show how much of a shit the Joker does not give about anybody. Yep. Similar to how people say that um, Keaton saying I'm Batman is such an iconic moment. Iconic dialogue for me is that scene when he he kicks Joker out of the boat. Uh, they exchange a couple blows and then he jumps over, grabs Joker and uh, Peter Weller just going no more. Yep. And just launches the Joker and throws him against the wall. Yep. Oh, man. And then even before that, before they even get to the tunnel of love where Joker's running through the crowd and mm-hmm. he's, uh, you know, shooting people and uh, Batman is getting close to him. So what does Joker do? What he always does? He grabs a pedestrian and he goes to put a gun against her and, you know, do the whole like, you're not going to hurt me because I'll shoot her. Batman doesn't give no shits. He throws those batarangs. One goes straight into the Joker's eye. Yeah. And then Joker just goes, and I love Joker's reaction because he wasn't expecting it. He figured it was going to be the same song and dance they've done before. As soon as those batarangs hit him, he lets the girl go and she runs off. And Joker just looks at Batman and goes, what the hell is wrong with you? It's like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) And like, then he snatches up a little kid and the kid goes, you're the Joker, right? Batman's gonna kick your ass, and the Joker goes, he's gonna have to get through you first. It's like, yeah. Again, he doesn't care. He really and doesn't. And then Batman busts out of the glass and just whoops on Joker. I oh, mean, yeah. these punches in this fight, you can tell that this is Batman just putting everything into his punches because he has had it. Yeah, this is absolutely where there like batman knows it in his soul like this this is the last time i'm gonna let him do this because yep. he can't do it anymore like he's even coming to the conclusion like i can't do this anymore he he's yep. if he's back then i have to do something about it because prior to that he gassed the 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 dave endocrine show and killed like yep. what two six hundred people something like that somewhere like a, yeah, a, a large kills, number of people kills his psychiatrist on tv by slitting his throat with the the with shards the of the right. cup then, yeah, the little twins come in and spread the toxin, kills every single person in there. And then, yeah, and then who knows? I mean, what? How many people did he shoot on that way 
on his way through the Tunnel of Love. Right. He must have killed probably 15, 20 people just right there. Yeah. And their fight, like, it, 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 it comes to blows. And, like, Batman and the Joker, like, you know, Batman's got his hands around the Joker's face. But the mm-hmm. Joker's still just like, oh, this is exactly how I pictured it. And we can still end on a high note. And he proceeds yep. to just gut stab Batman with another knife. And Batman just, you know what? To hell with it. Cracks dude's neck, paralyzes the Joker from neck down. Yep. And then that's when and- the Joker delivers. Like, you know, he, he feels like he won. He yep. Pretty close. He He's not wrong in what he says because, he, oh, you're in trouble now. Yep. Like, because he kind of crossed that line. He he, yep. oh, he didn't quite kill him. But had he really done the full, all of it, he would have. But yep. even the Joker calls him on it and says, I made you lose control, and they'll yep. kill you for it. Yep. Which I think is just one of the most badass line deliveries from the Joker. But hats off to Michael Emerson for just delivering that that last moment. Of, of insanity from him. He's using his last breath to mock Batman. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at the quote right now. Yep, you're in trouble now. Go ahead. Say this has never happened to you before. Batman just says, shut up. Yep. <laughs> Make shut me. Up. Come on. Finish me. Ah, uh, doesn't matter. I win. I made you lose control, and they'll kill you for it. See, See you in hell. hell. And then just he, that laugh, yep. and then just snaps his own neck. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That whole sequence is just... It's its its something you th- you would probably want to see if you ever really wanted an end to that relationship. Yep. Which can be a lot of controversial for for a lot of Batman fans, because I know a lot of Batman fans like to, you know, keep Batman in this consistent vial of, you know, he doesn't kill, and his, you know, he puts his enemies in Arkham, and la 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 la. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we've been down this road before how many times now? But it's funny, you mentioned that your number two is from The Dark Knight Returns, because my number two is from The Dark Knight Returns, and I'm pretty sure you have a good idea of exactly... I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to (laughs) say. Yeah, yeah, because... Something to do with an operating table, I'm guessing? You're wrong. Oh, really? I've saved that one for another time. Yeah, this is... This this is... And it's because I was actually just uh, reminiscing not too long ago about the the announcement of Batman vs. Superman, where... uh, where Zack Snyder and Harry Lennox come out to the floor Comic Con, and Zack Snyder, you, we just wanted to confirm we're making another Superman movie, but, but there is a, another element, another thing that I can maybe show or tell you that that will be in the movie, and like he brings out Harry Lennox, and and Harry Lennox delivers the lines, and he goes, "I want you." Ah, uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> In all the years to come, in your most private moments, my hand at your throat, I want you to remember the one man who beat you. Yep. When Batman utters those words to a kryptonite-infused Superman suffering from, like, 
essentially like kryptonite emphysema um i just superman's face is all swollen up he can barely see yeah because batman's just beating the straight shit out of it and he just the 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 whole concept of not even just batman one-upping superman but the fact that batman bided his time knew his enemy took every chance he could to just stall him until he just showed him right then and there what it really would take to just end him in not even 10 seconds flat yeah and he and like that line delivery you know the whole the just this idea of i want you to remember of all the things that have happened in all your years to come I want you in, to remember in your darkest moments, in your darkest <laughs> private your, moments, in your most private moments. Yeah, right. And he goes, I want you to remember the one man who actually beat you. And, you know, I've seen Superman fight a lot of other characters, right? I've seen Superman fight Doomsday. I've seen Superman fight Manchester mm-hmm. Black. I've seen Superman fight Mongol. I've seen Superman get overtaken by the Black Mercy. I've seen Superman fight Zod. I've seen Superman go up against a lot of formidable foes. I've seen Superman die. Hell, mm-hmm. I've even seen Superman fight like crazy dark versions of Batman and a bunch of other shit. But when it comes to just straight up, one-on-one, limited resources but enough to make the fight fair, watching Batman level Superman mm-hmm. just solidifies for me why Batman is the most badass tactician on the planet. Yep. He had everything planned out for years too like i i yep. love that that and also you know if going back to just the story of itself the dark knight returns set in you know uh alternate 1986 it's like back in back then back that in that time you had you'd have to imagine like you know if, if this is a silver age batman set 30 years you know 20 30 years after the silver age yeah it probably would take 1980s money to even craft just one kryptonite era Mm-hmm. But now, storytelling has taken us so far where Lex Luthor can, you know, buy not an island of kryptonite per se, but just buy a chunk and forge how many bullets out of it? Enough. Yeah. You know? Like, we're at the point well, like, where, where kryptonite's kind of a, a, a resource, if you will. Yeah. Well, it's like he says in that scene where uh, when, when, uh, when he's got uh, Superman on his knees and he's just like, uh, what did he say? He's like, it, it wasn't easy. It, it took years and cost a fortune. It took years, cost fortunes. Luckily, I had, I had both. both. Right. And, you know, yeah. Batman vs. Superman, they kind of accelerated a little bit. And, you know, the the, turd, the tides and turns of why they're fighting are vastly, vastly different from a modern yeah. perspective. But Batman forges that kryptonite spear and not for nothing. Less than mm-hmm. a day? So, yeah. Be, time and money (laughs) and even then actually now that i think about it similar to how he wanted to prove a point to superman in the dark knight returns same kind of thing that he did in batman v superman when he takes the spear and he cuts superman's face with it right just kind of like look what i'm able to do look what i was able to accomplish it's like you know you're not even a god you're not even a man like this thing is your weakness right like yeah and then you know of course superman in his last breath is just like save martha my human Mm -hmm. like you know my adoptive mother save martha which there they are best friend moment 
Yep. <laughs> Which I don't hate. And I know you don't hate, but no. I know that scene gets so much hate, and I'm just like, I have seen much worse from much worse films. Yeah, there's a movie called Catwoman. It exists. <laughs> and uh, Batman and Robin, so. Uh, Green Lantern. <laughs> mm, there's some real shade thrown right there. Uh, yep. But I love that our number twos are Dark Knight Returns. That's that's great. Yeah. But I'm surprised. I'm actually really surprised I didn't choose it's an operating table and I'm the surgeon. But then yeah. again, that's also part of the intro, so I don't really feel compelled to choose. Because <laughs> that everyone knows like that's easily one of the most badass moments in Dark Knight Returns. And I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point later. All right. Looks like we've reached our uh, the end of our road here. Number ones. What's your number one, yep. Greg? Number one for me, uh, as soon as we talked about legendary Batman moments, this instantly came to my mind. Um, it's a little film called Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm just going to quote exactly the scene I have chosen for this. Uh, this is the Joker talking to Batman. Mm -hmm. But all too soon, the serums and the shocks took their toll. Oh. And the dear lad began to share such secrets with me. Secrets that are mine alone to know, Bruce. It's true, Batsy. I know everything. And kind of like the kid who peeks at his Christmas presents, I must admit it's sadly anticlimactic. Behind all the stern and batterings, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. It'd be funny if it wasn't so pathetic. No, oh, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. Yes, the scene where Joker shows Batman what he did to Tim Drake. A little kid, mind you. Yep. A young Robin. Yep. And he shows him clips of what he did when he captured Tim Drake and tortured him and electrocuted him and who knows what else he did to him and shows Batman that as soon as he finishes that quote, laughs his ass off, Batman flings through the glass and just beats the absolute living crap out of the Joker. And the first thing he says is, I'll break you in two. Because yeah. he's just like, you have no idea what line you just crossed, right? <laughs> and then what does the Joker do? Just like how in The Dark Knight Returns, he follows it up. He thinks it's funny. Yep. First it, thing he says, oh, oh if you don't like this, the video... I've got, I've got slides. slides. And then he says, you know, if you really had the balls for that, you would have done it years ago. I, on yeah. the other hand, and then he takes a knife and stabs Batman in the knee. And I think that's yeah. where Batman gets the cane later on in Batman Return in Batman yeah. Beyond. Yep. So. And then we see uh, right after that interaction, we see what he did to Tim Drake. Joker Jr. And mind you, too, this is this is a what a straight to DVD movie. Yes. In 2000, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we see this little kid come out, and he is a mini Joker laughing. He's got this haunting laugh. I love the voice actor who did Tim Drake's laugh. And then Joker's got Batman down, and he tosses him his uh, play gun. And he's all right, son, finish the job. And he goes to shoot Batman, you know, you know, oh, Tim, don't. And he's, you can tell he's thinking about shooting, but you can tell he's trying to resist. And Joker's like, come on, finish it. He turns the gun instead, 
shoots the Joker right in the heart. Yep. Joker goes flying back and looks up. That's not funny. That's, That's not. not... <laughs> yeah. And again, he killed the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then even to just add more, you know, pain to that, he in that and also in that experimentation, he used Cadmus technology to insert his subconscious into Tim Drake. Yep. Which, so that he could live on. Right. Which is even more of a just damn that is twisted and vile. Because even that's just Joker's way of ensuring that, yeah, even if I die. I've done all the damage to this kid and to the point where even when he grows up, I'm still going to be messing with him. Yep. The fact that they took that spin on the Joker for Return of the Joker and kind of blended elements of like, you know, Death in the Family and Dark Knight Returns a little bit and just took it, took their own way with it. It was, that was my first like, that was the first time I was I was brought to the idea that, you know, Batman can put these people in danger, that he can put mm-hmm. Robin in danger, that Barbara Gordon was absolutely viable to get hurt in some way. You know, even the episode Over the Edge, which is also like a Scarecrow episode, and it's all, you know... I love that episode. As uh. do I. But, you know, like, just the the very idea that his his sidekicks, his allies can get hurt in the line of fire that they can be subjugated to this you know these twisted games by these supervillains, and you know even to take it you know to, to the roots and the source material the joker brutally murdered jason todd to death with a crowbar and then left him to be blown up in a warehouse with his biological yep. mother and then before that he shot barbara gordon in the spine and paralyzed mm-hmm. her from the waist down just to torture Jim Gordon. You know, th- we're, we're talking about a guy who has absolutely zero regard for anything short of human life, if it means it can make him laugh. And, yep. you know, Two-Face, pretty horrendous villain, but not on that level. Penguin, pretty awful person. Still doesn't hurt kids like that. Mm-hmm. Clayface has his own children, if I'm not mistaken, depending on which one you're talking about. But the Joker... Yeah. The Joker is one of those villains where, you know, in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, like, Bruce even tells Terry, like, no, this is one I don't want you going up against. Yeah, he doesn't want to see him encounter that. Right, because of what happened to Tim, and I can't blame him. Like, I, I, yeah. in, that, in that moment, in that universe, in that time, and, and Bruce at that age, after everything he went through, I don't blame him at all. But at the same time, like, you'd have to imagine that relationship, that was inevitable even though like bruce thought it was done but when is anything ever done with the joker yep you know but that's a great choice that that whole piece right there is just it's it's a tough watch because you know you you witness the blatant torture of a child and Mm -hmm. that you know if you're a parent i imagine that that's not an easy watch for anybody i mean to the point where they when the movie first came out they had to edit right. the joker's death right they did yeah because warner brothers wasn't happy with hey man you just had a kid shoot a guy in the heart uh right we, we gotta fix that right and the way they edited it the way they 
you know did a, a re-edit of it the way the the instead of the uncut version they just showed him like falling back into the chemicals and pulling the trigger and that's how he died yeah i still remember that but yeah the uncut version is a lot more vi- that fight is the reason why there's an uncut version because it's a lot yeah. longer the arkham session is very much the reason why there's two versions of that movie funny yeah. enough um that's a great choice my number one is also from an animated movie, but it is not Return of the Joker. It is uh, from Superman Batman Apocalypse. Oh, okay. So there's a point in the end where Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Big Barda go to Apocalypse to save Kara zor Supergirl. And um, while Wonder Woman... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yep. While Wonder Woman <laughs> and Barda are facing the Furies and while Superman's out fighting... Kara, uh, Batman confronts Darkseid. Yeah. And Batman basically, you know, tells Darkseid, I'm going to blow up Apocalypse if you don't forswear Kara Zor-El. <laughs> and Darkseid yeah. basically goes, you're bluffing. And Batman goes, one Hellspore has the capability of turning a whole planet into Apocalypse. What happens when 500 go off? I have yep. them set. They're going to go off and... and Darkseid's like, you're bluffing. And then Batman goes, I have the quote right here because I wrote, I had it typed down. Batman goes, Omega Lambda 7 XL9. Does that sound like a bluff to you? And Darkseid just turns around hella quick and goes, you dare? Picks him up by the throat, slams him through the wall repeatedly and repeats to say, you dare. And then Darkseid gives in and says, well played. Had it been the Kryptonian or the Amazon... It wouldn't have happened, but you, you're human. You guys do this to each other on a regular basis. You have that capability of doing it. Yep. I forswear Karazor, and he throws Batman on the ground. <laughs> but yeah, that's that right there is just Batman being absolute boss. Yep. Batman blackmailed Darkseid. Yep. <laughs> Batman straight up walked in and was like, yo... I'm gonna level your whole planet if you don't do what I say. And Darkseid's like, hey, I okay, love the sure. Fact in that scene, he is so calm and collected about it, which makes it even better. And even as he's like getting the shit kicked out of him, thrown yeah. through the wall, he's like, Forswear, Carousel. And it's Kevin Conroy as Batman, of course, but yeah. he's still just like, Nope. I, I, yeah. I'll die. I'll let this shit happen unless you let that happen. And I love it. I, I just love that, that that was Batman being just, again, boss. Yep. That whole movie, that that is one I think that a lot of people forget about now that there have been so many um, classic. DC animated movies. I feel like Apocalypse has kind of gone into the wayside. I feel and that way about I, uh, Crisis on Two Earths. Yeah. That's another weird one. Yep. Because I feel like once I think it really started gaining attention with Batman under the Red Hood. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the real mm-hmm. starting point where people started paying attention and going, wow, these DC animated movies are legit. Yeah. And I feel like the ones prior to that just kind of get lost to the wayside because of how much focus the films got from that point on. You know. Under the Red Hood was one of the first ones I remember, like, feeling that way, kind of, because it was 
right as I was getting out of high school. And I remember watching it and just being absolutely enthralled and thinking like, well, you know, I, by that point, I had seen Superman Doomsday. I had seen uh, Mystery of the Batwoman. I had seen yeah. uh, Public Enemies. I had seen Public Enemies before I saw uh, Superman Batman Apocalypse. So I, I have very, very distinct memories of Batman, Superman Batman Public Enemies. That's another good movie as well. I don't think I've seen Public Enemies. Um. I, I want to say Luthor's president in that, and he sets Batman and Superman up to be public enemies of the state. Because <laughs> that's based off the 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 Loeb and the Loeb story from his run, his stint on Batman Superman or Superman Batman way back when. Because that's what um, they were ba- they were back to back. So public enemies and Apocalypse are technically um, they're not quite in the same universe, but they're, they, they, they are of the same, uh, writer continuity. If that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, Jeff Loeb who did the initial stories for both. I mean, plus also Batman, Superman apocalypse gives us Batman with an ax, just straight up murdering doomsdays. <laughs> Matter of fact, that was also the first time I saw big Barda. That was the yeah. first time I became familiar with the big Barda character too. So that was yeah. a lot of fun. Well, that this has been interesting. Yeah, that was that was some good legendary moments there. Yeah, you know, volume one of legendary moments in the can. So if you all have any more, if you if anyone has any legendary moments, please feel free to chime in. You know, we've got an email, we've got a Twitter account, we've also got an Instagram account. You know, we've got uh, just drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can interact with us at tek underscore podcast. That's both uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. So, yeah, I mean, heck, if, if we get enough uh, comments or people just sending us their uh, legendary Batman moments, you know, maybe we could do like a user or user uh, commenter and fan mentions as well yeah by all means you know spread the word guys that's how the show gets noticed we'd really appreciate it but yeah you know if if you if you anyone has any suggestions or moments they want to share by all means feel free to share it with our twitter instagram or even just drop us an email again at eternalnightpod at gmail.com uh before we wrap up you know craig and i didn't mention we are going to start doing batman the animated series and we are here to discuss part one and two the cat and the claw now, again, we are watching this on HBO Max for those who are choosing to follow along. Um, the next one will be on Leather Wings, and then after that, Heart of Ice, which is one of my favorite episodes. But right now, we will be focusing uh, specifically on the Cat and the Claw, and I know I have a lot of nostalgia for these for this episode specifically because it's it's a Batman-Catwoman tale. It's also introducing the Red Claw, one an original villain for the series. And, you know, spoiler-free thoughts on both episodes, you know, just going to kind of get out of the way. I really enjoyed revisiting them. They have a lot of really great animation. There's a really great story. Just all around, really enjoyed both episodes. What about you, Craig? Yeah, uh, totally agree there. Uh, main thing for me is uh, after starting this rewatch of the series, I have come to the point where the Batman animated series theme song is just it's one of those ones you never want to skip it. Every time it pops up, you know, on HBO Max and all these other streaming services, you know, you can skip the intro. Mm-hmm. I put the Batman animated series opening up there with, you know, the really just gets in your head ones, you know, DuckTales, the real Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. 
all of those kind of the Batman animated series opening. I will never skip that. It's just uh, it's such an iconic piece of music. Yeah, that intro alone, I think, is enough for an Emmy nomination in and of itself. You know, yeah, it's just so iconic and so memorable. And honestly, that's what I'm really hoping for in regards to uh, Batman the Cape Crusader. I'm really hoping that Bruce Timm. I, I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, oh, I'm really, I'm really hoping it's in the same kind of animation style because that that teaser poster they had for it really seemed like that was the case. So I, I really hope that is the case. Um, but here, uh, the episode was well. There's it's a two parter. So, and I'm looking at it now. Apparently, it was season one, episodes fifteen and sixteen in episodic order so that's interesting to, to note hmm. and um the first episode part one was directed by kevin altairi and part two was directed by dick sebast story by sean Catherine derrick and laren bright teleplay by jules dennis and richard mueller produced by of course eric radomsky and bruce tim featuring the music talents of danny elfman and shirley walker All right, so part one, part one is where we open up to Catwoman stealing a diamond necklace, but Batman runs into her, and they kind of have a little bit of a scuffle and chase until uh, Catwoman jumps up a building, leaves her cat Isis on the ground to almost be hit by a truck, but Batman, of course, saves the cat. Yep. And in which response to Batman saving the cat, Catwoman whips out a whistle, and the cat freaks out a little bit out of Batman's arms and weirdly enough goes up a, a rain vent yeah. a, a rain drain I don't even like you know uh, god wow I'm, I'm not even a gutter wow how did I forget yeah. that you know claws, <laughs> claws up the gutter and you know she blows a kiss at Batman and you know throughout the entirety of the first part of the episode it's very you know it was nice for me because as you go through the episode, you get to see like classic Bruce Wayne moments of being a bachelor. You get to see, you know, socialite Selena Kyle in her own comfort zone. You get to see, you know, an original villain, which I always liked Red Claw, even though she, I don't think she's ever been prominent anywhere else. Yeah. And, and for Batman, after she blows the kiss to him, Batman whistles. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm like, wait, Batman just whistled. <laughs> Right. So the following following that at an animal rights celebration auction, um, Bruce Wayne is there for charity to offer his services. And I say I mean that with bachelor intent uh, as a date, if you will, to some of Gotham's finest. And Selena Kyle winds up getting the bid for, I think, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, everyone. I think they started at five hundred. Right. Then one lady says seven hundred. They get, I think they get up to like $2,000 and then Selena Kyle just blurts out, yeah, I'll take 10000 Right, and then she tries to write him off and then Bruce is absolutely dumbfounded and like, no, you bought a date with me, I'm going to take you on a date. Because you really get the feeling like this is the first time that maybe Bruce Wayne has actually legitimately maybe fallen for a woman uh -huh. to some extent. And... It's funny because in episode two, that kind of comes full circle in a very interesting way. But after they, you know, exchange pleasantries, um, Batman decides, or actually, you know, they hear sirens and then Batman has, Bruce takes off and becomes Batman and stops 
terrorists who were attacking these police. And this is when Gordon confides into Batman that one of the most ruthless terrorists, Red Claw, is in Gotham City. And I believe... I, I'm reading so part of the plot from Wikipedia, because again, we watched the episode yesterday, but it's the details are still a little murky. But I do remember that uh, Red Claw is in... She's trying to, to smuggle this drug on a train through Gotham City. Or sorry, not a drug, a uh, a virus. A plague. A plague yeah. virus, right. And she's going to... She's in cahoots with... Uh, this dude's name. Uh, la, 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 la. Mulligan. Uh, Stern from Multigod. Yes. She's... And the reason that... God, I am really bad at this. <laughs> I should have taken better notes. Essentially, <laughs> what happens is um, Selena Kyle is doing this charity to have some certain cats moved, and this, you know, mogul by the name of Stern, who runs a conglomerate known as Multigon, is trying to um, not give these cats a house, I think, these big lions. Yeah, she's Selena Kyle's trying to buy land. That's to right. turn into like an animal reservation and this company comes in and outbids her. That's right, yeah. And and they're going to build like a I think like a like a, some kind of like medical infrastructure or something like that. Right. And then she decide then Selena decides to like, you know, investigate Multigon in her own fashion and winds up coming to find out that Stern and Redclaw are in business with each other and that puts red claw in sight of catwoman because now someone yep. is keen to her operation but this is also what leads batman to finding out who red claw is because batman saves catwoman from being you know cornered and taken by red claw and this leads to their inevitable like you know batman swoops out of a swoops out of nowhere after catwoman's jumps out of a building and she's falling but batman saves her she kisses him and then she tries to, uh, Batman tries to unmask her, but she says, yeah. let's keep the mystery, right? And yep. then the, where things get a little sour is when Batman proceeds to tell her, you know, there is one thing between us, the law. And then that evidently bothers Selena a lot. Yeah, I actually, I have that quote written down where she says, uh, you can't deny there's something between us. And he goes, you're right. And I'm afraid it's the law. Yep. And then after you know, he saves her. She kicks him off the building and yeah. says, never trifle with the affections of a woman. Yeah. And she returns home and um, to the audience surprise, she's uh, also being again tailed by one of the goons from Red Claw. And that's where part one ends. So I apologize if that was kind of a murky run through of part one. I <laughs> swear I will try and get better at this and pay more attention you know, maybe I should have watched the episode again before doing this. But, you know, we, we had a lot going on over the last couple of days. So, yeah. But overall, you know, I, I just on the on the technical scale, uh, I think this is one of the better animations of, sorry, one of the better animated episodes of the yeah. series. Because there are some that have, you know, there's a bit of a quality dip to some extent. Some of the other episodes I can remember. I also liked uh, in this first episode, I like how you saw Batman interact with the um, kind of the underworld of Gotham when he uh, when he breaks into um, this mob meeting and he grabs the 
I don't remember his name, but he grabs the mob boss and I forget exactly how he says it, but he says something like, you know, I know what you're up to. And the mob boss is like, oh, come on. We don't we don't do anything on you. Know, we we we've brought things down after you've come in. <laughs> Batman just goes, you're still scum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What you, you know what? We really should have rewatched the episode again today. But, yeah. Oh, well, no big deal. Okay. Oh, you know what? That might have been the beginning of part two, because I'm looking at the synopsis here. It says the mob boss tells Batman there's a train heist that night. None of Gotham's criminals are initiating it. Batman asks. Yeah, Gordon, that's the same. That's the mob boss that he interrogated in the right. first episode because he told him to find him information or else he's going to come down on him. So then this episode starts with that same mob boss meeting him. I think it looks like looks like they're out in a park at night. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Batman shows up. Uh, he says, you know, there's going to be a train heist, but we don't know anything about it. None of our gangs are involved. And that's when he goes to Gordon uh gordon figures out that well where there's there's no sign of like any trains coming through around that time might be a government and he's like it could be a government train and that's when they're like okay well we've got to look into this more right and then the next day batman actually bruce and Dreed are driving to lunch when red claws goons repeatedly bump into bruce's car bruce turns around drives towards them the terrorists swerve away driving off the bridge Bruce and Selina return home, changing to Batman and Catwoman. Bruce finds Isis's body on his jacket, deduces Catwoman's identity. Then Catwoman goes back to the resort, taking pictures of the terrorists. Where the two find, when two of them find her, Batman knocks them out, takes Catwoman with him, runs away. Red Claw, however, captures them, ties them in a shelter, releasing the plague on them. But they're able to break free. Batman pours petrol all over before throwing a grenade on it the heat from the flames destroy the plague while the flames burn the resort gordon and his police arrive they surround everyone including red claw who attacks catwoman from behind until a mountain lion pounces on her hits her off the cliff injuring her catwoman returns home finds maven to be gone even though i think in this episode maven informs bruce or batman rather that catwoman is in love with her and that selena is in love with her yep and Batman emerges from the shadows, informs her that Maven left because the terrorists were after both of them. Catwoman asks why he didn't tell the police that he found her. He says that he didn't want her to be arrested like a common criminal. She asks him whether whether he cares or not, leaning forward to kiss him. But he handcuffs her, saying, more than you'll ever know. Yep. So, Andrea Barbeau was the voice of, is, I believe, the voice of Catwoman, Selena Kyle. I think Kate Mulgrew is, I'm pretty sure she's from, yep. Kate Mulgrew was Red Reznikov and Orange is the New Black, for anyone familiar with that. She was also uh, Captain Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. My favorite uh, little note about the voice actors is uh, Frank Welker is the voice of Isis the Cat. Yes, yes he is. And of course, uh, Kevin Conroy returns to voice the role of Batman. And uh, Bob Hastings, I think, is the voice of Gordon. Yeah. Just double check that really quick. Because Robin's voiced by Lauren Lester. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. took over after the first three episodes of production order for Alfred. Yeah, Bob Hastings, Commissioner Jordan. Yep. <laughs> it's always funny to think because you think of when you hear like 
animal sounds in a in a cartoon or something like that you just assume oh, okay they recorded a cat hissing or something like that no nah, it was a, it was a legit voice actor yeah it's frank <laughs> welker yeah and frank welker one of the most well-known and most probably one of the most prolific voice actors of all time honestly you know actually i also have a note here from when batman deduced that selena was catwoman he you know when he pulls the hair off and says i've never seen a cat with color hair like that before that he goes batman has <laughs> that to me felt like a, a, a maybe a bit of an old callback to those um those because I, I listened to a podcast called Enter the Night. Uh, Tim and Jordan, they're really great guys. They go over Batman's canonical history starting from um, Detective Comics twenty seven. They're they're going in uh, sequential order, and that line in particular feels like a line a callback to how Batman used to kind of talk in third person back then. Yeah, which I always found really cool. Also, you know, everyone, please, by all means, check out Enter the Night. Lovely, lovely, lovely Batman podcast going over Batman's mythology and comics. One note I made about these two episodes that I noticed is uh, they really hammered it home. Because as, you know, as dark as this show can get, mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that people understood that this Batman doesn't kill people. Yes. So, like, every fight scene where he's fighting thugs, you see how... Yeah, if he throws like uh the train fight scene mm-hmm. when he throws like one thug off a train uh he just so happens to land in a tree so yeah he beat the guy but the guy didn't die uh when the thug goes into selena kyle's apartment and tries to kidnap maven uh batman comes in saves her life she her glasses get knocked off so she's kind of like seeing this blurry fight between him and the thug Right, but you see Batman grab the guy and he throws him through a glass window, and they both go tumbling out. And then Batman comes back, but the, you don't see where the thug went. So then Batman talks to Maven for a few minutes. That's when Maven tells her, you know, hey, Selena Kyle's in love with you. He swings off, and just as he swings off, you see the thug hanging upside down, tied up to a pole. So like they made sure, like, hey, don't worry. Even though he's beating these guys up, you know, Batman's not going to kill any of these guys. Right yeah they do make a point and i do appreciate that even if it's you know not really a big deal for me and yeah. for those who wondering no the yellow oval does not bother me this is batman the animated series <laughs> so yeah that was uh the cat and the claw part one and two uh you know we got to find out a rating system bat heads yeah bat wing bat yeah. wings <laughs> out of five bat wings craig um, I would have to give uh, the cat and the claw. Honestly, I give it a four out of five. Four out of five. I, I like the fact that you know an original character, an original villain, something that was never in the comics. Um, good plot development. I know that the kind of environmentalism stuff was a little heavy-handed, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, it served the purpose. I mean, that's what Selena Kyle was fighting for. So, and there's just a lot of moments, a lot of little like quotes uh, actually i wrote down one of them when batman is fighting catwoman on the rooftop mm-hmm. and i forget she says something to the degree of like oh you know why are you going after me i'm a woman and batman goes i'm an equal opportunity crime fighter that's against red claw so that's he, right that's he, right he says i'm an equal opportunity crime fighter or something like that yeah yeah that that line made me chuckle i found myself chuckling quite a bit throughout the first two parts not because I, I i thought it was like overtly campy or overtly dated or anything just yeah no it just genuine chuckle because now having ingested so much other 
Batman content, you look at stuff like this, you're like, oh, haha. Just oh, little things. She, uh, when Red Claw gets away on the train with the uh, the plague, right? And she is uh, flying away in her helicopter, and she goes, "You finally met your match, Batman." Not surprising. It's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. So yeah, I thought I thought for like people, I got to imagine if it's someone who has never watched Batman the animated series, I think they this was actually a smart move making this the first two episodes of the show on hbo max i can agree with that again you know i'm not too like cumbersome or worried about what the production order is yeah and you know i know some people might be sticklers about that and that's fine but you know just for just for this you know i feel perfectly okay just doing the hbo max order so that said uh the next episode we'll be doing uh matter of fact probably on batman day along with uh, Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, uh, will be on Leather Wings. So that is... One of my one of my absolute favorite episodes in the whole show. Mine as well. It's uh, actually, I think, was the first one on production list. So Yep. It was, the uh, again, kind of similar to Batman Beyond. I watched. I woke up early to watch the very premiere episode right. of Batman the Animated Series back in the day, and, and on Leather Wings was the, uh, the first episode on TV. Right. So we will be revisiting that for episode six, but this has been um, Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight Volume 1 for episode five in the can. Craig, my man, thank you again for always joining me and being the Alfred to my Batman. Yes, sir. And like we mentioned earlier, everybody, if you would all like to interact with us, if you'd all like to, you know, drop us some of your legendary moments of the Dark Knight, feel free to. Uh, EternalNightPod at gmail.com, and of course... T-E-K underscore podcast, uh, Twitter and Instagram. So, Craig, before we sign off, where can people follow you if they wish to follow you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. Still trying to debate doing the whole Twitter thing. Haven't committed to it yet. Just, just kind of nervous about dipping my toe into that whole cesspool again. Don't blame you. It is a cesspool. <laughs> But if y'all want to follow me on that same cesspool, along with Vero and Instagram, it's the same handle, just at unfiltered with a PH and three Ds. You can also follow, again, the show, T-E-K underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And that said, everyone, we are signing off for the night. Stay safe. Wear your masks. But please, tell your friends about us. We would appreciate it. We would love it. Gets the word out. Gets the podcast noticed. That all said, again, have a great evening. Take care, everyone. What's the matter, Batman? No witty comeback, no threat? Then I'll provide the narration. I'll begin with how I peeled back the layers of the boy's mind. Though he bravely tried to fight it at first. You would have been proud to see him so strong. But all too soon, the serums and the shocks took their toll. 
And the dear lad began to share such secrets with me. Secrets that are mine alone to know, Bruce. It's true, Batsy. I know everything. And kind of like the kid who peeks at his Christmas presents, I must admit, it's sadly anticlimactic. Behind all the sturm and batarangs, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> If you don't like the movie, I've got slides. I'll break you in two. <laughs> Batman, if you had the guts for that kind of fun, you would have done it years ago. I, on the other hand... Lost, Batman. Robin is mine. The last sound you hear will be our laughter. Here you go, sonny boy. Make Daddy proud. Deliver the punchline. <laughs> Funny. That's not... <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.